Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. We're here for stage three of the Giro d'Italia, the first proper bunch sprint stage. You've got Cav here. MVP, or would they go for Maresco, Alperson, MVP in Malia, Damar, Ewan, Gaviria, Nizzolo, Bauhaus, who's won at Torreno this year, a whole host of sprinters, no Jakobsen or Meliers. From Kaposchvar to Balaton Fured, a lake southwest, about 100k southwest of Budapest. And there's, yeah, there's like a 1500 meter 3% roller, about 13k from the finish, which would offer up some KOM points. Uh, but otherwise, it shouldn't have been a problem for any of the sprinters, and it wasn't in the run into this finish. Wide roads, straight roads, big trains set up, and yeah, just a pure sprint stage before the transition day over to Sicily for stage four on Tuesday. But Benji, we saw once again uh, Androni in the break trying to get in there, but no, but no Bardiani. What is going on with Bardiani and uh, your team Yolo in the break? Like, but what's I expected a whole host of the Pro Conti Italian teams in there. I kind of expected the same, but we know that Androni was in the breakaway, our drone hopper in the first one already with two riders, Baez and Taliani. Those two were in the breakaway again today because, uh, well, last time they thought, let's get some kilometers in because there's a classification existing that um, just counts the total amount of kilometers that each rider gets into the breakaway and gives an extra prize to the winner of that classification. And it looks like Dronehopper and Savio, the uh, the uh, manager of that team, really wants that classification because the same riders were in the break again together with Samuele Rivi from uh, Aeolo. But Bardiani, not to be seen. And uh, I thought there was some drama going on in like the Italian press, but I think Luca Shinto uh, wasn't the Vinny Zabu DS last year or two years ago before that team folded. Like, he started complaining that Bardiani was not in the breakaway or something? Well, yeah, you normally expect them to battle it out in the exposure break. We were really surprised on stage one. Two Androni riders just walk off the front out of neutral. I'm like, where are the other teams? Like, apparently, I think Bardiani are not getting in breaks unless there's a world tour team in the break. They're not doing exposure breaks. But I would say with their team... I, I get that for other teams like Leonard Kemner shouldn't go in exposure breakaways because he can win real breakaways, but exposure might be the best thing those guys can get in flat sprint stages, Bardiani. Uh, and I can't say that all their riders need to hold back for maybe some misc medium mountain stages, which we do have in the first week. So, yeah, interesting to see. There's always some internal internecine strife between the pro conti teams at these races we saw at uh well i don't know what was it catalonia or what spanish race basque country when the pro conti spanish teams turned upon each other um sometimes there's stuff like that the race within the race uh in the giro as well but before we get into the main action of this stage which was in the last 13 k's mention our show partner zwift speaking of MVP for this stage or Cavendish. Zwift is the online cycling platform of choice for them and for Benji 
and myself as well. There's a reason we could make it over to Budapest. So if you want to have an online cycling platform to help you get fitter, have more fun on the bike. Zwift is the choice for you. It has real world and fantasy locations to ride in, hundreds of workouts on demand, training plans, and you can drop in with pace partners or create your own meetup with friends on Zwift to keep your training fun and consistent certainly helped me and benji over the last few months so if you haven't given it a go head to zwift.com down below for a free seven day trial but the action really kicked off benji break got caught with your man pascal Enkhorn, trying to steal a march uh, speaking of a race within a race the kom battle between two sort of lead out men not even sprinters kind of like a funny it was just funny to see Yes, certainly. We knew that at the time trial that just happened, it was a battle between Zabel, also Ainkhorn, and some other riders that tried to just go very slow in the initial part and hammered to climb in that KOM uh, in that time trial to make sure they got the KOM jersey. Zabel won that. And now I think revenge was on the table for Ainkhorn and he tried, but Zabel was on the wheel. And that's an issue because if Ainkhorn takes first at the KOM points here, Zabel takes second there on same points and on paper that means that Exabel is first in KOM still and they ended up having a bit of a situation with the two of them ahead of the peloton. Ainkhorn went first, tried to keep him behind him, but eventually Zabel went to the wheel, Zabel came past and then it went to the last 200 meters towards that sprint and Ainkhorn kicked past Zabel again to take uh, the points, but hey, Zabel's still in the lead of the KOM jersey, so it didn't move that much. I think Ainkhorn hoped that Zabel would not be sprinting for the KOM jersey, but I guess that's uh, yeah logical that he does, that he defends his jersey there. But Ainkhorn kept going, and I thought, why not, eh? There's a there's a team in there, Yumbo, with some riders that could go for GC, but they are, they're willing to play their cards a bit a bit rough. They're willing to go for some stuff, and Ainkhorn tried, but it was pretty clear very soon that this attack would not go anywhere, and the teams that wanted to get their sprinters to the front started getting their sprinters to the front. Then it was intriguing because we had uh, large trains forming with about 5 to 4k to go, right? Yeah, like Israel have been setting up very, very early for years, uh, a couple of years now, and it was it didn't work out once again today with um Dowsett was sort of he was doing his job but there was no one behind him it was just Nitsola and I was like where and it's almost like Zabel spent his bickies the last lead out man for uh Giacomo Nitsolo in that KOM battle so that didn't help Nitsolo I don't think Ewan as well they had three riders Kluger Schwarzman Selig for Ewan who was banged up after his crash on stage one Quickstep were doing what they normally do. They were waiting. They were in the draft. They had three guys plus Cav, uh, Ballerini, Van Leerberg, and Merku. And Alberson had like eight riders. So, yeah, Alberson had a very, very attractive-looking train set up on the left-hand side, but it actually wasn't that potent and turned into a complete shambles at the end of this race. FDJ put DeMar in very, very, very good position. I think they got to be happy with how he performed today and how their train performed with the old guard of Conovalovos, Guarnieri, and Sinkeldam. But yeah, it turned into Ewan was... He had Kluger in front of him, I don't know, two cases to go, maybe 15. His third last man came with him from Orica. And I was like, Benji, he's got to bring him forward. Because if he didn't, they're in the middle of the pack on the left-hand side. They're not even getting a good draft like Quickstep were. If you don't come forward at that point with your train, you will get pinched. And 
Like, what's the solution for you in there? Does he have to switch off onto another train? Does he just have? Does he have no choice? He just has to follow Kluger and hope he can bring him forward. Well, I'd argue that he's shown the last few years that he sometimes trusts going alone more than following his train. And here he tried to follow the train, and it doesn't get him anywhere. Like you said, Kluger didn't go forward, and he didn't even like he got past one Grupama rider, I think, that was on the right of him, and then he was like, okay, elbow out, someone else needs to take over. And then the second rider doesn't really have that speed either to move past all the trains that are ahead of them. Because like we said it, the trains were forming. That Alpacin train on the left were like seven riders. Like those riders just came up while Lotto had been trying in the middle to try and move up while that train of Alpacin is fresh and is able to move forward. And in, in the meanwhile, Quickstep is not to be seen at the front. It's like hidden behind. But you know that that's their strategy. Going late... That's a difference between Quickstep and Lotto as well. Lotto, like, they're in the middle. And just because trying to of hold that, position. Like, they're just holding position, but not, like, not doing anything. And then when, they, when they're trying to move up, the, the Kluger's done. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the comparison with Quickstep, who stays behind people while holding that position and does saves energy to try and move fast in the last two kilometers. I think that's the difference between those two teams in the setup of their train. Meanwhile, you've spoken about it. Israel, one rider left for the sprinter on the right side of the road. Then uh, the team of DSM bells them out. I think you mentioned that while DSM moved forward past that uh, lead out of Israel. But uh, in the end, it was really, uh, first of all, Alpacin that kept moving forward, kept moving forward. Note, Van der Poel was leading out Moreshko on this stage. We'll talk about that after the stage recap has finished, but then uh, the the team of the day when it comes to the lead-out came forward. Yeah, Intermarche tried for Binium, and he then gets boxed in. He's behind Gaviri uh, being led out by Rochese, but they're all just subject to Ballerini's wishes on Quickstep, who surges forward. Like, this this is what they do. They're sitting behind. Ballerini hits it really hard in, I don't know, a K over a K to go. They've got Van Leeberker, I think, second last, I'm guessing, and then Merku last. It wasn't perfect for Quickstep. Like, Ballerini did a good job, moved them forward, destroyed the Alberson train. They had too many riders and weren't using them quickly enough. They were just sort of, they had like six riders, but in the end, a lot of them actually couldn't pull effectively, and Mareshko got squeezed off Van der Poel's wheel or couldn't hold his wheel. Van Leeberker actually didn't pull that long, and Merku was then at 700, holding the front position, waiting, and trying not to go too early with Cav in the wheel, and he can't go at 700. He normally goes at 550 to Sometimes even in the tour, he went at 4.50 uh, or later. And so Kamenish gets launched and he goes with like 300 meters to go. Such an early sprint from Kamenish. He opened it up. He had Damar and Gaviria on his wheel and Binium was boxed in on behind Gaviria and then Damar on his right-hand side. Couldn't get out. It was like what happened to Cav on the Champs-Élysées stage last year when Wout Van Aert won and Damar wasn't in the draft of Cav perfectly. He's way bigger than Cav anyway. Cav's in that super aero position. Gaviria's got no top end speed anymore anyway. And so he's actually doing an effective job for Cavendish, blocking up the left-hand barrier without actually ever threatening to beat Cavendish. And DeMars just can't get out of the wheel of Cav or didn't. He was sitting in the draft and then, yeah, just didn't have that top end and it turned into a drag race. It reminded me a lot of the UAE t- uh, tour stage where Philipson just beat Cavendish, where Cav went really early, or maybe Cav won. I can't remember. They they had some good battles there, but Cavendish won. No one could come out of his wheel, and I think it wasn't even a perfect lead out. I think if he had a perfect one, dropped off at two hundred, 
or 150, or if he was in Gaviria or Damar's position, he wins this by three, four bike lengths. And the LRCP Giro coverage is supported by GCN+. Plus. Whilst today was a sprint stage, the next stage on Tuesday up Mount Etna is the first GC action. It's not too late to get a GCN Plus subscription where you can watch the entirety of the race live, ad-free, and on demand should you wish GCN Plus have live rights worldwide excluding New Zealand and that stage four as I said first big GC opportunity I think some riders will lose time it's definitely one to tune into live that mountaintop finish or GCN plus have the full stage replays afterwards all LRCP listeners from the US UK Australia Canada and Germany can get 25% off an annual GCN plus subscription by heading to gcn.eu slash LRCP which is in the description down below question is benji where's caleb ewan that's a very good question he was uh first of all nowhere to be seen in the in the final stretch and it looked like for when you when you saw him in the back it looked like he had already given up so it's clear that he wasn't like thinking oh i need to maximize my points for chiclamino here he was not in a competitive position to start a sprint and it resulted in him not winning the stage thus he wasn't really uh yeah he wasn't really going for the last two points there but I want to bring up some other things as well. I want to I want to go on a bit of a rant. It's my rant time. You can get your coffee this time around. I can't get over the fact that Mareshko is selected for this squad for Valpacin. And I've spoken about it before, and I'm going to speak about it again. Everything Mareshko can achieve in a sprint here, with Van der Poel as lead out or without Van der Poel as lead out, Van der Poel can do alone in the first place. Van der Poel has difficulties winning these bunch sprints, but so has Mareshko. And... I believe that Van der Poel would easily have top five today if he rode for himself. Mareshko top five with Van der Poel as lead out, even though the lead out situation did not go as planned at all and clearly was not a perfect lead out from Van der Poel either. Like the entire combination, are like they have the option of sending someone else in the spot of Mareshko to this Grand Tour and therefore having chances in different stage. Let's say Jay Vine, for example, your homeboy. Like, if he's put in this team, he's an option to get a stage win somewhere, in a mountain stage, and a breakaway somewhere. And now they're taking that away and putting an extra sprinter in that can do exactly what Vanderpool can already achieve alone in sprints. Yeah, people will say, yeah, he Vanderpool hasn't won a World Tour mass sprint yet before, the UAE Tour mass sprint that he won wasn't necessarily a mass sprint. It was an echelon stage. It was a smaller group. But let's be honest, if Mareshko is able to win a sprint in this Giro, Van der Poel can also win a mass sprint in this Giro. He just needs to get it right once. And I I can't get over that. It's, uh, oh, I, it, I hate it. Well, I think, first of all, MVP probably, I don't think he wants the Chiclamino jersey. I think he's going to be happy to give away or he'll lose the Malia Rosa on stage four. Uh, on Mount Etna, and then he's free pretty much to leave the Giro when he wants. Uh, it's very, it's much more difficult to leave the Giro when you're wearing one of the jerseys, and he would be in the Chiclamino jersey if he'd contested this sprint after the points he accumulated on stage one after Mount Etna. So I'm not sure he wants Chiclamino. Uh, if he did, then he should be going for these sprints himself. But yeah, you're right. Like the. He's not a good lead-out man, MVP. He's really surgy. Uh, it's not doesn't seem to be something that comes naturally to him. And especially as a last man, I, I particularly think he's not a great lead-out man. But this is what Alperson did last year when Merlier was faster than Philipson at the Tour de France. Philipson is sort of gone a different level now. But 
they won the first sprint stage with Melier and then were like, well, Melier can lead out Philipson. Maybe it's a team morale thing, a camaraderie thing, showing faith in Moreshko, but I think showing faith in Philipson is more of a long-term play with a guy with really high upside versus Moreshko has like been just a pro Conti sprinter and they signed him off the Nizabu last year and I thought they pretty much signed him to go to like Antalya sprints and, and, and Saudi tour sprints just so that Melier and Philipson didn't have to go to those races. So MVP throwing a, Giro, a chance at a Giro top three in a stage, yeah, I agree. For Moreshko, it's like particularly because he's still in the mix, right? Like is it even less – like is what is – MVP did today like safer than just contesting the sprint i don't think so i think it's just as dangerous he was literally doing a lead out until like 200 meters to go he was spending a lot of energy he was boxing on yeah exactly and he kind of kept going and he looked behind where's moreshko like the aspect to it as well is vanderpool is doing that lead out and if Merku is in vanderpool situation he would be aware of moreshko not being in his wheel and I feel like Vanderpool was not aware that Mareshko had lost his wheel at any point until he looked back, which was way too late. Yeah, and like he's he's still fighting. He's literally throwing elbows, fighting Gaviria for Richese's wheel. He even pinched Richese's wheel off Gaviria. So it's like if you've done that, like there's no way you'll have your teammate on your wheel if you're doing stuff like that. So I even think he was going for the sprint himself at in times. But anyway, I should do the top 10. Cavendish wins the stage ahead of DeMar in just dominant fashion, given the position he was in launching so early. Gaviria third, still lacking a bit of that top end. Binion boxed in fourth. Moreshko fifth. Edward Turns sprinting for Trek sixth. Consoni seventh. Ewan eighth. Dainese ninth. Bauhaus tenth. And Nizzolo eleventh. DSM had Bowl in thirteenth. So I don't know what they're doing with Dainese and Bowl, whether they're both sprinting, but yeah, that's... I don't know what what's happening there. And yeah, you and disappointing. I mean, I've said it a few times now, like there's one thing worse than having a bad lead out and not trusting it. It's if you have a bad lead out and you trust it and then it puts you nowhere, you got no he had no chance to win this stage. And I've been probably guilty of, oh well, Ewan's the fastest, Ewan's the fastest. But like if you can't get to the finishing competitive position at a decent rate and you know, strike rate. That's irrelevant. And it's almost like it's more often than not now he's not put in bad position. It's almost the rarity when, oh, he's fifth wheel now. You know, a pure sprint, the uphill one's different. So what do you think they do going forward? Do they just just try and improve on this and get the lead out right or does you and freelance or what? I try it out with a bit of a piloting thing where he has one pilot that brings him into a, a position and he tries from that at least once if that works better or not they can see from that forward but i think this method has shown enough that it's very rare that it brings you into a position that matters and that gets him somewhere and they are they're able to do this tactic in races where Merku isn't there where the train of quick step isn't there like that saudi tour thing they were able to have a good lead out in i think stage one or two with the bust and then Yoon was able to clean it up that stage but when we look at this race, there's Alpecin trying with all their riders, with seven riders. We have Quickstep with loads of riders trying. There's so many teams trying that they don't have it that easily to get Ewan into a position. And because of that, it seems like the harder the races are, the most more competitive the sprints are when it comes to the lead out, the less likely they are to get Ewan in the right position. So I try with a pilot, something like that. But I also want to mention when it comes to the Quickstep train, Mauro Schmidt was apparently supposed to be 
the man that did the early job just before Ballerini. And I think Cavendish mentioned that in his uh, post-race interview. And perhaps that's the reason that we saw that Cavendish was uh, a bit early into a, a position where he had to go early. Yeah, I guess, but they just weighed with Ballerini. I'd say more the second last man was didn't go long enough, but then there's Alpson moving up on the left. I don't know. Um, for you and your ride, like, but they don't have Du Bois here. So who's the pilot? I think Zelig. Zelig is the best option to do that um, because, yeah, Du Bois crashed out or is injured, and that that's why it's hard. They're kind of scrambling to get the train working in one of the big A targets for him. Uh, fortunately, no. No GC containers, no crashes, anything like that. Ineos brought Carapaz into a safe position with Nardavise. I think uh, they did really well. So any last thoughts from this sprint stage, Benji? I think I want to give some homework to the LRCP listeners. I, I want to rant on about the fact that the competitivity award of this bloody race is decided by a Twitter poll on the Giro d'Italia Twitter, which makes zero sense because then it's not about competitivity, it's a popularity contest. And... For the last two days, Macho Vanderpool was leading it, and I guess uh, I dipped my hand into the, the cookie jar and subtly quote-tweeted it, voting for someone else, and therefore we had Kemna and Zabel winning, and I'd like to ask the LRCP listeners, let, let's vote for the friendly Pascal Inkhorn, the man that, in the Tour of Britain last year, gave his beat on to that kid by the side of the road. Let's reward that guy. And to be honest, I think what Inkhorn did today gives more exposure than all those three riders in the breakaway. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because if you looked at the profile, you shouldn't have been watching any any earlier than like 15Ks to go, uh, which we weren't, you know, nothing really happened at all. Bit of a slow stage. Uh, the other news was Jan Tratnik, unfortunately, and I'm not surprised by this. He was seen doing the time trial yesterday. He, he crashed on stage one and couldn't even hold the bars on the pave with his hand. That's going to be even harder on a road bike. Uh, didn't finish this stage or didn't start. So he's out of the Giro. That's a real shame uh, from a Giro stage winner in 2020 and just a huge domestique for Bahrain in, in all terrain, really, in second on Zonkaland last year. No one really lost time today. And I know I went on that big rant at Romandie about, oh, well, Cam, you know, will people lose time? Now that MVD, and let's talk about this, the next stage, they're going to, Travel down to Sicily, the long trip from Hungary to Sicily. So tomorrow there's no stage. And then the next stage is from Avola to Etna, 23Ks, 5.9% mountaintop finish, although it's a little bit steeper uh, than the 5.9% in the last 15 kilometers. It's pretty much, there's like a 8K, 4.5% climb in the first half where a break will form or will have formed by then and then flat. So it's pretty much just a flat and then mountaintop finish, the first one of the Giro. I think this has to be breakaway. MVP will lose Malia, so Albertson really shouldn't be interested in hard pacing a break. And then it's a three-week race. I think we're going to see someone like Jan Palance of 2017, but the version of him now going to the Malia Rosa. I think Kamner wins this stage and takes the Malia Rosa. He didn't lose time today, and I thought, oh, was that stupid? Then I'm like, should the GC contenders... Like, if you were bike exchange, would you... Would you prevent Leonard Kemner getting in the break and taking three, four minutes? No, not necessarily, to be honest. I, well, Kemner's a rider that could actually like be better GC-wise than you would expect, but I do think that letting the breakaway win is still a good situation for any GC rider in this race. And I'm going to point another rider out there. I don't know if he 
had some like bad legs or something, but he's lost eight minutes, 37 so far in this race, Alessandro De Marchi. And I think that's on purpose because otherwise you're not that far. I don't think he crashed in this race. Could be wrong, but I actually at least didn't see it. So I see some opportunities there, for example, that the Marky rider being in the breakaway seems like uh, a thing that is destined to happen tomorrow. And when it comes to water riders, I don't know, like, it's difficult, you know, like Fortunato, the dude from Aolo, the man lost two minutes in GC in the first two stages. He was supposed to go for top 10 based on the rumors I heard. He should just go for stages in KOM at this point, like, give up on the top 10. I like Fortunato a lot, but nah, man, KOM jersey, awesome. I mean, he can try and get in the break. I'm not sure people will care that much because, like, he's going to lose so much time. He'll lose about 10 minutes on the final TT. Other, other riders who won a Giro stage last year for a break, Joe Dombrowski, um, Demarki, as Benji mentioned, he went into Mali Rosa last year. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in the break. Simon Carr, uh, Murway Kudus for uh, EF. Ah. Uh, for Yumbo. Yumbo seem to be sort of trying different things in this race, not just wholly trying to go for GC. They're trying to achieve other objectives. Antonio Pedrero, uh, Chris Hamilton, although DSM seem to be kind of locked down for uh, Roman Bardet. Lollama, I think people will respect him too much. I don't think they'd be happy with him in the break, like a, yep. like a Kamna. Kamna will, will lose so much time in the, in the future. I think they will... They, if he gets in, they won't be too bothered. Um, so I think it'll be a break. I, if I'd be very surprised if I just don't see with with Simon Yates' history with bike exchange with how he looks. Like I don't think you want to carry the Malia all the way. Like Ken is a good one because he might keep it for quite a while too. Like he won't just lose it on the first roller and then you can take it back when you want to make a difference later in the race. So. Yeah, I, I think it's break. But if it's not, what what's in it? Like, which team from the GC guys should pace Benji? The thing is, like, when we look at 2020, I think the Etna stage, Almeida was the one having somewhat of a, a bad situation. But on paper, if you look at this parkour, you'd say, oh, it's a, it's a stage where UE should control and Almeida should just have a group sprint for him. But if it's a similar situation to 2020, then that's not exactly a likable situation for him. So... I think we don't have like a clear set of like, oh, this team or this team is intrigued by this. I do think that Ineos will likely try and control and they, they also trust Carapaz's bunch if it comes down to it. But I don't think they'll control it for winning the stage itself. No. So yeah, Leonard Kamner, Demarkey, Van, Van Hooker, James Knox, those sort of riders, expect to see them in the breakaway. I'm going with Kamner. And hopefully there is a GC battle behind. That's when it's perfect, when we've got break action for the stage winner and then also a big GC battle. I think someone will lose time on it. It's long. I, I think someone yeah, will, will struggle and they'll be like, wow, how, they lost 30, 40 seconds on this stage. And I wonder who that will be. As Benji said, Almeida struggled earlier in, uh, on this climb in, in previous years. Yates, you never know. It should really suit Almeida, like when I look at it, but it's long. 23Ks at 6%. So we're looking forward to that. Tomorrow we don't have a rest day recap, but we have a Q&A dropping, which, you know, we responded to questions. It's a really good episode. Yeah, there was no need to do a full rest day recap for the three stages we've had here in Hungary. That's tomorrow. Make sure you check it out, as well as then we'll resume our Stage 4 recap coverage the next day on Tuesday. Thanks for your support while we've been here in Budapest, which has been a great experience for the both of us. 
Thanks to Zwift for making it possible for us to come here. Benji's got an early flight tomorrow morning. We've got a more palatable time. And yeah, we'll see you with the Q&A episode tomorrow. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.